This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, I'm thinking of one particular listener tonight, <laughs> a guy who is a huge fan of Dragnet. Now, Bill Manley, who writes me from time to time, always pleads for more episodes of Dragnet. In fact, I think he'd be happy if I featured only Sergeant Joe Friday. Well, Bill, your constant haranguing has paid off. Tonight, we've got an episode that we've never aired before. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it, Bill. <clears throat> but I hasten to add, there is a penalty involved here. You've also mentioned in your emails that you can't stand to hear Jack Benny. Well, guess who's coming up in the second half of the show? <laughs> All kidding aside, it's great to hear from you folks, and I'll try my best to answer your requests. Just drop me a line at f.proctor at mzmedia.com. A note or two about Jack Webb. Following his discharge from the Army, he moved to San Francisco, where a wartime shortage of announcers led to a temporary appointment with his own radio show on ABC's KGO Radio. The Jack Webb Show was a half-hour comedy that had a limited run on ABC in 1946, and by 1949, he had abandoned comedy for drama and starred in Pat Novak for Hire. That was about a man who worked as an unlicensed private detective. Webb had a featured role in the crime lab de- technician in the 48 film He Walked by Night, based on the real-life murder of California Highway Patrolman Irwin Walker. The film was produced in semi-documentary style. He Walked by Night's thinly-veiled fictionalized account of the 1946 Walker crime spree gave Webb the idea for Dragnet, a recurring series based on real cases from the LAPD police files, featuring authentic depictions of the modern police detective, including methods, mannerisms, and technical language. language. Now, Webb was a stickler for attention to detail. He believed viewers wanted realism, and he tried to give it to them. Now, back to the show Dragnet. It's entitled The Red Light Bandit and was first aired July 14th of 1949. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. NBC brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to robbery detail. A ruthless fiend roams the streets of your city masquerading as a police officer. For months, helpless citizens have been robbed, beaten senseless, and kidnapped. The criminal is a twisted genius, vicious, cunning. Your job is to get him. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime, 
Investigated and solved by the men who unrelentingly stand watch on the security of your home, your family, and your life. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. Wednesday, June 4th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on my way back from communications, and it was 11.13 p.m. when I got to room 27A. Robbery detail. Oh, hi, Joe. Hi, Ben. Did you get that message to call home? Yeah, bad news. What's the matter? That doggone kid of mine, chicken pox. Oh, again? Last year, it was the mumps. Year before that, the measles. Every time I get set for a vacation, he decides to catch something. Well, forget it, Ben. Think what a comfort he's going to be in your old age. Go ahead, lad. You'll find out. Yeah. How are you, Friday? Romero? Fine. What can we do for you? You don't look like you remember me. Oh, no, wait a minute. Name's Savage, isn't it? George? It's Johnny, Sergeant. Johnny Savage, remember now? Oh, sure. Those liquor store robbers out in the Wilshire district. About six, seven years ago, wasn't it? Ten years, Romero. You ought to remember that. You were at the trial. We testify in court every week. Ten years is a long time. It's longer in the state pen. It's a lot longer. Yeah, you cried a little at that trial, didn't you, Savage? You said we beat that confession out of him. Yeah, that's why I figured I'd drop in for a little visit. I kind of apologize to you fellas. You gave me a square deal, I... Yes, I kind of lost my head. I figured I'd apologize. Oh, that's all right, Savage. When'd you get out? A couple of weeks ago. I did it the hard way. Served ten flat. I don't know my day. Find a job yet? Yeah, Friday. I'm working nights. What kind of a job? Laborer in a warehouse, south end of town. Good. You decided to level? Ten years in prison's a long time. You learn a lot of things. Nights are long. You think a lot. You get things straightened out. I hope you mean that. Sure I mean it, Friday. I've got everything straightened out. I know who my friends are, and I know who to watch out for. You sound like maybe you're on the right track. I got it figured, Romero. Like you two fellas, you caught me red-handed, and you sent me up for ten years. Well, you did all right, Savage. Five armed robberies. You got off pretty easy. You got a break, Savage. Make the best of it. Sure, I'm not kicking. Ten years, a real break. That's right. Well, <laughs> uh, just dropped in for a little visit. Maybe I'll see you fellas sometime. All right, Savage. Keep your nose clean? Sure. No hard feelings. No. You just took ten years of my life. That's all. There's no such thing as a man going through prison without changing. And Ben and I have seen him switch in both directions. Some men learn their lesson after they land behind bars, and when they're released, they turn into good citizens. Johnny Savage was sour. We made a mental note to check him out later on, and then we went down to the record bureau and pulled his coming out mug. That's about all that we had time for, because about an hour later, we started to get busy. Hot shot, Joe. Grab it. Yeah. On the corner of Selma and Naples, the drugstore, 211, and probable attack. On the corner of Selma and Naples, 211. And pro- what you got, Joe? Selma and Naples, 211, and attack. Come on. Joe, walk around the four corners. Yeah, 
We got the story from the victim, the store owner, Mr. Thomas. For the most part, it was the usual rundown of an early morning holdup. There was only one exception. Oh, I've had young hoodlums try to hold me up before, but there was nothing like this one. How you mean, Mr. Thomas? Well, he came in here just before closing, and ordinarily I'd have kept an eye out because that's the time to look for him. But this fellow came to the door and said he was a policeman, so I let him in. He looked like a cop. Barged right up to me and the wife behind the counter and pointed a gun. And she screamed and he hit her in the face with the butt of the gun. Sergeant, it, it was horrible. That's the way it started and that's the way it kept going. Because most of the victims and most people don't realize that as a citizen, they have the right to check on police officers' identification when in doubt. After we got the story from Mr. Thomas and checked the store in the neighborhood, Ben and I headed back for the office. Attention, all units. At the end of North Baxter Road near Hillcrest, victim of 211 and slugging. Car 7172, take the call. Code 3. Attention, all units. That's four blocks away from the last one. Let's roll on it, huh, Ben? Right, I'll hit the siren. You get the light. By the time Ben and I got up to the end of North Baxter, the men from car 71 were already there. The victim was telling his story. His face looked like it had been through a meat grinder. I was just shifting the car into second to make the hill when I hear this siren behind me and I, I see this red light flashing in the side view mirror. Well, naturally, I pulled over to the curb and I was just reaching for my driver's license when the cop runs up, yanks me out of the car and starts clubbing me in the face with the butt of his gun. Did you get a look at him? Think you can describe him? No, I'm afraid not. He swung me around and kept me staring into that red light on his car all the time he was beating me. After a while, everything just went black. When I woke up, my wallet was gone, all my money's... Forty-five minutes later, Ben and I were interviewing the third victim, a young housewife out in the Wilshire district. Same trademark. I tried to tell him, Sergeant. I tried to tell him I didn't have any money, but he wouldn't listen. He kept holding me by the throat, beating me with his fist like he enjoyed it. Yeah, all right, all right, Mrs. Jameson. Could you tell us how he got in the house? He came in the front door and rang the bell. I opened the door, but I left the burglar chain on. He said he was a policeman. So when he demanded I open the door all the way, I did. And he grabbed me. And you can't describe the man for us, Mrs. Jameson. He was tall. And he had dark hair and big hands. So it was like a nightmare. <laughs> Tall, dark hair, big hands. Your guess the same as mine, Joe? Maybe. Let's wait and see. Come on, let's check with the boss. Hi, Mike. Hi. He's waiting for you. In there. Come on, Ben. Chief of Detectives Office, Hannon. Sit down. Yeah, Skipper. All right, you two, let's have it. The guy with the red light? Yes, the guy with the red light posing as a policeman. Why hasn't he been picked up? You know as much about it as we do, Ed. We got our first call around midnight. He knocked over a drugstore out on Selma. He hasn't stopped working since. Didn't you get any definite lead on him? No description, no license number? Nothing. He's tall, big hands, dark hair, that's all. Fine. Either of you got any ideas? Could be anybody, Skipper, with that description. You're sure it wasn't anybody on the force? We sent all the victims down to personnel... Lowry showed him the mug book of all police officers. Wasn't one of our men. Works fast. Drugstore, motorist, a pedestrian, a housewife out in the Wilshire district. Went right in the house after her. Four of them, right in a row. Five. Huh? There's a 20-year-old kid in the next room. Came in just before you got here. A couple of hours ago, he was sitting in a car with his girl up in Mulholland Drive. 
This red light bandit comes along, slugs him, and kidnaps the girl. Kidnapped? She still miss? On a trace. When did this happen? A couple of hours ago. They brought the kid over from Georgia Street Hospital. We can talk to him now. He's had a bad time. Right in here. Okay. Pete, we're going to have to ask you a few more questions. Oh, yeah. Okay. It feels a little better now. This is Sergeant Friday and Sergeant Romero. Hi, Pete. Hi. Can you tell us what time the trouble started? Oh, about 10, 15, 10.30. Sally and I were sitting in the car talking about where we were going on our honeymoon. We're going to be married next month. And then this car pulls up behind us and starts flashing a red spotlight on us and... A guy runs over and pulls open the door. He said he was a cop. Did you get a good look at his car, Pete? I think it was a black sedan. Did you get a look at the man, Pete? No. No, I didn't. It was pretty dark, and he kept me staring into that red spotlight. It all happened so fast. Then he started slugging me, and I went down. What happened then? Well, the next thing I knew, Sally was screaming. He had one hand on her throat, and he had her backed up against the side of the car. He was beating her with the other hand. Some kind of a short billy club. I got up and I started for him and he slugged me again. When I came to, Sally was gone. Anybody check the area up there, Ed? Yeah, Davis and Griffin. Didn't find a thing. Oh, Sergeant, you gotta find it. You got to. I wouldn't know what to tell her folks. I, I wouldn't know what to say. That's all right, Pete. We'll find it. You take it easy. Got a hot shot, Ed, up in Summit Road near Westmore. A woman, unconscious. Ambulance follow-up. Possible dead body. Uh, all right, Hannon. Look after Pete here. Friday, Romero, let's go. Up ahead, Romero, to the right. Okay, Skip. Yeah, there's the ambulance and the cruiser car. You're a lonely-looking spot. All right, come on. Hiya, Doc. What'd you find? Hiya, fellas. Right over here. Just gonna take her in. Uh, where'd you find her? Over there, by the side of the road. Somebody driving by us saw her... They called us. Any identification? This bracelet on her wrist. Mm, to my dearest Sally and Pete. December 25th, 1947. That's a girl, all right. What are the chances, Doc? I wouldn't bet on them. Pretty bad shape. Well, have you seen enough? Yeah. Friday, Romero, call the crime lab and check the area for footprints and tire tracks. I'll ride back in the ambulance with the girl. If she regains consciousness, I want to talk to her. All right? Okay, Ed. I'll meet you in the office by 8.30. We're working straight through till we get this guy. Here at the office, Giver. What time you got, Ben? Seven minutes to four. Long night. Hey, that car up there ahead. Let's take a look at it, huh? Black sedan. Hey, look, he's flashing a red spot on that convertible. Come on. He sees us, Joe. He's pulling away. Get that gas pedal down to the floor. Already there. He's turning off right. Hit the siren. I'll get the light. We're gaining a little, Ben. Next corner to the left. Joe, where'd he go? He's a fancy driver. Try the alley up ahead to the left here. Must have turned up that cross street. Get through the alley and double back on him. Right. There he is, Ben. Look out. Watch it, Joe. Watch it. He's going to ram us. We got hit just in front of the rear bumper. Our car was forced into the curbing and it turned over. He was real lucky. He kept right on going. But this time, Ben and I were sharing the luck. 
All we got out of it was a couple of nasty cracks in the head and a few bruises, but it was enough to keep us in a hospital under observation for a day. By this time, Ed Backstrand was fuming. So were the newspapers. During the day we spent in the hospital, a red light bandit went on a real blitz. He pulled six more jobs, one liquor store, two residential holdups, and three car robberies. Five of the six victims were slugged and beaten. Davis and Griffin had taken over for Ben and me, and by the time we got back on the job, they'd built up a lead for us. We've been working with Wilkerson up in auto theft, Joe. He's used four stolen cars already. We got the makes and numbers on each one of them. How about the dark sedan he was driving when he rammed it? The boys picked it up this morning out on Sepulveda. We're checking it for prints now. Oh, that's fine, Dave. You got any description on the guy yet? No luck there, Joe. He works too fast. Nothing at all? The same as you had. Tall, black hair, big hands. Loves to use them. Friday, Romero, got a minute? Okay, Skipper. Check you later, honey. Sure thing, boys. Sit down. How do you feel? Pretty fair, Ed. A little stiff here and there. All right, did Davis fill you in? Up to date. Okay, I just called the doctor who's handling Sally Wilder, Pete's girlfriend. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. She's been in pretty bad shape since we found her up there on Summit Road. This morning she took a turn for the better. She's conscious, and her doctor thinks she might be able to talk to us a little bit. Good. When? About an hour. I cleared it with the doctor and with her family. You'll only be able to stay a couple of minutes to make the most of them. That's all. All right, Ed. We'll check with you later. Hey, Joe, Ben, Uh here's some mail came for you fellas while you were gone. Oh, thank you, Mike. We're going over to the county hospital. We ought to be back in a couple hours. Okay. Say, there's been a couple of phone calls, too. Yeah, anything important? I don't think so. The guy just called to say hello. Said his name was Johnny Savage. Just called to say hello. I presume you men are aware of the girl's critical condition. Yeah, that's right, Dr. Froman. We saw her before she was taken here at the hospital. Ah, yes. Uh, You understand, of course, that you'll be able to see her for only a few minutes, and please try your best not to excite her, huh? Right, Doctor. Sally isn't able to talk. Bad mouth and face injuries. So your questions will have to be answered simply yes or no and nod of the head. Okay, we got you. We only have a few questions, and we want to know if she can identify the man who beat her from these pictures we've got here. All right, Sergeant. This way, please. Thank you. Sally. Sally, these gentlemen from the police department, they'd like to ask you a few questions. Uh, uh, Now, there's no need to be nervous or afraid. Just simply nod your head, yes or no. That's fine. All right, Sergeant. Sally, did you see the man who attacked you? Yes. She says yes. Did you get a good look at his face? You did. All right, Sally, now you can answer these three together, just yes or no. Was he tall? Did he have dark hair? Did he have large hands? He did. Ben. Uh, yeah, Jim. Give me the folder. Mm-hmm. Here you are. Thanks. Now, there's just one more thing, Sally. I'm going to show you some pictures now. Take all the time you want before you make up your mind about each one. If you recognize any one of these men as the person who attacked you, just nod your head, all right? All right, it's fine. Good. Here's the first one. No? All right. Here's the next one. No. How about this one? No? All right. Here's another. Do you recognize him? This was the man? Are you sure, Sally? Thank you. That's all. Let's go. Did you uh, find what you wanted, Sergeant? Yes, Doctor, we did. Here. It's this one. Hmm. Nice looking chap. Who is he, Sergeant? His name's Savage, Dr. Froman. Johnny Savage. When we got back to the office, we checked in with Ed Backstrand. 
In five minutes, an all-points bulletin and a full description of the suspect was broadcast to every radio car, every motorcycle officer, to every sheriff and law enforcement agency in Los Angeles and Southern California. By nightfall, a manhunt was on. More than a dozen extra patrol units were called in for duty that night, and when they pulled out of the police garage, the name, the picture, and the full description of Johnny Savage was in the possession of every officer. The same for the patrolmen. Whether they walked a beat downtown or out in the residential areas, the picture of Johnny Savage went with them. Everything was done that could be done. On the second night of the manhunt, far out on the edge of town, Johnny Savage, the red light bandit, got his 12th victim, a 63-year-old storekeeper. Attention, all units. 939 Markham Street, near Clark. 211 and slugging, code 3. Ambulance dispatched. All units. 939 Markham Street, near Clark. Here it is, Skipper. Tie in. What'd you get? Wilkerson lifted the prints off that black sedan that rammed Joe and me. Yeah? They belong to Johnny Savage. Yeah, good. That storekeeper last night. It's a savage, all right. Victim identified him from his mug. All right. We got enough in this savage guy to put him on ice for life. All we have to do now is to get him. Well, look, the way we figure it, Ed, this red light bandit is using stolen cars with coal plates, so there's no way of tracking down the cars at regular commercial garages. He's got to be running private garages someplace around town. All right, let's get the neighborhood patrolman on the job. Advertise it. All over town. It's a city ordinance, isn't it? People who rent private garages are bound by law to register the car and license number with the police. Start a campaign if you want, but find those cars. Right. Yeah, wait a minute. Hello, Backstrand. Yeah? When? I see. Yeah, thanks. What is it, Ed? It was the hospital. About the girl, Sally. Sally Wilder? What about? She died five minutes ago. <laughs> That night, everybody went back on the job as usual. The cruiser cars, the patrolmen, the motorcycle officers, and about a dozen decoy cars. Armed policewomen riding alone in cars or parked in lonely spots with a police officer escort. Our car, 80K, was still in the garage for repairs, so they assigned us another one. And we started to make the rounds. Everything was usual. Except one thing. We weren't tracking down just a thief anymore or a sadist who liked to beat people's faces in. We were out to get a murderer. It was a perfect night for the suspect. Dark, no moon. I gave Ben two to one odds, and I put up five dollars that we'd get Savage that night. I lost the five dollars. We cruised until seven the next morning, but there wasn't even a nibble. We had breakfast at the Federal Cafe, a little restaurant down the street from the city hall, and it was about 8.15 when we got back to the office. We were pretty tired. Robert Detail, Romero. I would like to speak to Sergeant Friday. Just a minute. For you, Joe. Okay, thanks. Friday talking. Sergeant Friday, I want to talk to you. Well, I'm listening. Go ahead. I mean, I want to talk to you in person as soon as possible. Can't you tell me over the phone? What is it? I cannot tell you over the phone. It is very important. Can you come now? Well, now, look, mister, I'm awful sorry, but we're very busy down... 554 Ramona Avenue. Can you come now? Well, what's this all about? Who is this speaking? My name is Carl Savage. My son's name is John. Here it is, Joe. Neat-looking little place. Yeah. Yeah? I'm Sergeant Friday. You Mr. Savage? Yeah, come in. Okay. This is my partner, Sergeant Romero. How do you do? I will be brief, gentlemen. I am the father of John Savage. I wish for you to catch him. I, I will help the, you. I noticed the name on the mailbox outside, Mr. Savage. Change your name lately? I changed my name ten years ago when John first got into trouble. 
My own name I had to change, the shame. Always from him, my son, shame. Mr. Savage, has your son been home since he got out of prison? Yeah, many times, to ask for money. I would not give him any, so he struck me. Last night, I read in the newspaper, the little girl he beat up. She is dead. Then I make up my mind. Do you know where your son is now, Mr. Savage? Not now, no. But our garage has a car in there. It is not his, I know. Also in the garage, I find many license plates. I find spotlights with red glass lens. But you don't have any idea where we could find No, but he will come back. He always comes back for money. We're going to station an officer here in the house, Mr. Savage. Anything you want, if it will catch him. He's bad, Sergeant. Like something poison. All, all true, he's bad. See a sewing basket over him, Mr. Savage? The wife live here with you? Ten days ago, before this starts, I bury Gertrude, my wife, his mother. Sergeant, for ten years she is sick, but for ten years she stays alive to see him from prison. Ten days ago, she died. He did not even come to the funeral. Did your son have any idea that you might call us? No. No, I don't think so. But when you catch him, give me a gun. With my own two hands, I will kill him. Johnny Savage. Before we left, we called Ed Backstrand and we brought him up to date. He sent three detectives out to relieve us. Davis, Griffin, and Marsh. We told them to keep an eye on the house and the stolen car in the garage. That night after dinner, Ed Backstrand, Ben and I went out and relieved them. We parked the cruiser car in the garage next door, and then we took up our posts. Carl Savage had a light supper, and then he went to bed about nine. The three of us sat at the front windows in the darkened house, and we waited. Ben kept his eye on the garage. Outside, across the city, the manhunt continued as usual. Three hours went by. Waiting got monotonous. Brandy, hmm? Romero, look alive, will you? Oh, yes, Skipper, I'm sorry. That clock's enough to put anybody to sleep. Yeah, what time you got? 12.23 a.m. Thanks. The clock kept ticking. We were tired. We took turns keeping each other awake. At ten minutes past two, I looked at my watch, and then I settled back and tried to find some kind of a comfortable position. They started so faintly, it was just like the ticking of the clock. Same rhythm. And then they came closer, and the sounds got out of rhythm. Backstrand's head came up with a snap. Brady, Romero, you hear that? Yeah, Ed. Get up to the window, watch the curtains. You see anything? Yeah. Yeah, somebody's coming. Savage? Can't tell. Wait a minute, he's slowing down. He's going up the driveway to the garage. He's going inside. That's it. Come on. Watch it, he spotted us. He went over that fence into the yard. There he is, Friday. You hit him, Joe. Maybe. He's going for the street. He's headed for that car, Ed, that sedan up on the corner there. Yeah, Romero, go back and get the car. Right, Skipper. Must have parked up the block before he came around. Where's Romero? I don't know. Oh, here he comes now. All right, let's go. Get that radio on, Joe. It's already on, Ed. All right, give him a call. Any sign yet? No, nothing so far. Next corner to the right, Ben. 
Unit 80K to Control 4. 80K to Control 4. Control 4 to Unit 80K. Go ahead. Clear and keep frequency 4 open. This is an emergency. 80K, roger. Frequency 4, open and clear. Attention, all units on frequency 4. Stand by. 80K, go ahead. Friday up ahead, dark blue sedan. Control 4, we are in pursuit of the possible red light bandit. Suspect is driving a dark blue 1949 sedan. License number in the 7 column. 61 Robert, 784. Use caution, suspect is armed. Code 3. Attention, all units. Attention, all units. Unit 80K now pursuing possible red light bandit. Suspect is driving a dark blue 1949 sedan. License number in the 7 column. 61 Robert, 784. Use caution. Suspect is armed. Code 3. Your location, 80K. Control 4. We are headed east on Wilshire Boulevard, crossing La Brea. Attention, all units. Suspect is headed east on Wilshire Boulevard, crossing La Brea. Watch it, Romero. Don't lose him. I see him, Skipper. Control 4. Still pursuing red light bandit. Headed east on Wilshire, now crossing Rossmore. Attention, all units. Suspect is still headed east on Wilshire, now crossing Rossmore. Suspect is armed. Use caution. That truck pulling out up ahead. Hit the siren, will you, Skipper? Yeah. Right, hold on, it's a tight squeeze. Romero, out of traffic up ahead. He's got to slow down. Control four. Suspect headed east on Wilshire, crossing Western Avenue, closing in. There he goes. To go right down Sherman Alley. It's a dead end. Yeah. Control four. Suspect turns south into Sherman Alley, closing in on suspect. Attention, all units. Suspect has turned south into Sherman Alley. Suspect is there he is, Skipper. Pulling up ahead. He's jumping out. All right, take the mic, will you, Ed? Here. Come on, Ben. I'll direct the other cars in. If you need help, holler. All right, Skipper. All right, which way to go, Ben? Down between those buildings. Come on. He's starting up the back fire escape. All right, keep him busy. All right, Savage, come on down. He wants to go the rough way. One more chance, Savage. Come on down. No use, Joe. He's heading up for the roof. Come on. He climbs like a monkey. Come on, let's get him. Yeah, right. Come on. All right, here, I'll give you a hand. Here, here's the rope. All right, where'd he go? I don't know. Let's spread out. All right, Savage, you're through. Throw your gun out. Come out with your hands up. Watch it, Joe. He's running for the edge. He's going to jump. I'll get him. All right, up. guy back here. Hey, you lousy copper, you dirty lousy copper. I'll kill you out. You're through, Savage. You're through. <laughs> Good, Joe. You know? Yeah. Throw the cuffs on, will you? Yeah, you just betcha. Hmm. You want a smoke? Yeah, I can sure use a little. Thanks. Hmm. Quiet up here. Yeah. I just thinking. Yeah? Carl Savage, this guy's father. Mm-hmm. What about him? Nothing. What would you do, Ben, if your son was a murderer? The story you have just heard is true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. John Savage was tried and convicted of murder in the first degree. He was executed in the lethal gas chamber at the state penitentiary.
You have just heard the sixth in a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet is furnished by the Los Angeles Police Department. Tonight's program is dedicated to Patrol Officer Robert Steele of the Montana State Highway Patrol, who on the morning of November 2nd, 1947, gave his life so that yours might be more secure. Dragnet came to you from Los Angeles. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Stay tuned for Jack Benny next on Theater of the Mind. Oh, and uh, have a nice sleep, Bill Manley. Time now for the Jack Benny Show. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight Jack Benny does another television show. But meanwhile, I'd like to take you back to yesterday and out to Jack's home in Beverly Hills. It's a typical morning in the Benny household, and as we look in, Rochester is busy in the kitchen. Well, I better finish squeezing these oranges. Gee, that looks good. Orange juice is so wonderful when it's fresh. There's something about it when the oranges have been picked right from the tree. We sure are lucky the Coleman's have one. <laughs> I remember the argument they had the first time Mr. Benny picked them. He told Mr. Coleman that while it was his tree, since that limb was growing over into our yard, it was our legal property. I thought the boss was wrong, too, but the Supreme Court upheld it. <laughs> well, that finishes the orange juice. Now to put the coffee on. Good night, sweetheart. Here we meet tomorrow. Good night, sweetheart. Oh, Polly, I forgot to take the cover off your cage. There you are. Oh, what a beautiful morning. <laughs> it sure is a nice day, Polly. Honey beets empty. Honey beets empty. I guess it's about time I changed that paper on Polly's case. <laughs> well, I better get her something to eat. Oh, good morning, Mr. Benny. Good morning, Rochester. Here's a nice big glass of fresh orange juice. I don't want any. Oh, well, what do you want for breakfast? Nothing. But, boss, don't you want anything at all? Well, yes, get me some smelling salts, some Tums, fix me an Alka-Seltzer, and get me a bottle of aspirin. What's the matter? Are you sick? No, Dennis Day is coming over. <laughs> I couldn't talk him out of it. You shouldn't let him upset you like that. I shouldn't, eh? That stupid kid called me up at 3 o'clock this morning to ask me how I felt. 
why would he call you at three in the morning? He said he thought my line wouldn't be busy then. <laughs> I can't understand that kid. Anyway, he told me he was coming over today to let me hear his song. Isn't that the reason he usually comes over? Yeah, but when he starts that silly talk, he drives me nuts. But he won't do it today. I won't give him a chance to do anything but sing. A man can stand just so much, and then... He... <laughs> Throw him in the face, Stewie. Throw him in the face, Stewie. <laughs> oh, good, Rochester. You changed the paper in Polly's cave. <laughs> Was there any mail, Rochester? It didn't come yet, but you did have one important phone call. Dillard Marks, your producer, called from CBS to tell you that the time of tomorrow's rehearsal has been changed. Well, I better call up and find out. Hello, CBS, the size address. <laughs> yes, sir. Hold the line. I'll see if I can locate him. Who is that, Gertrude? Jack Benny. He wants I should get him as producer. Oh, that Benny. Always making us do things. He's a pain in the neck. Not to me. I like him and he likes me. Really? Yeah. If I tell you a secret, will you promise to keep it a secret? Oh, sure. I swear on my picture of Pinky Lee. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. Last June, Jack Benny and I nearly got married. We got into a cab and rode over to the Justice of the Peace, and he started reading the ceremony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when he got to the part that says, With all my worldly goods I be endowed, Jack ran out so fast he broke the sound barrier. <laughs> I've never so embarrassed in my life. I can imagine. Now I wouldn't marry Jack if he was the last man on earth. Say, the way he keeps going on, he's liable to be. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm glad I broke up with him. I'm tired of going out with Dennis Day. That dumb kid? Who, Dennis Day? Yeah. He's so dumb, he thinks the English Channel is where you watch old pictures on television. <laughs> Regular imaging cuckoo. <laughs> you know, Mabel, sometimes you think you're so... See, Mr. Benny, you're impatient. I'm sorry, Mr. Benny, but your producer isn't in. Oh, well, keep trying. But when you get him, Gertrude, tell him... Gertrude, did you feel that? I was positive I felt an earthquake. Oh, well, goodbye, Gertrude. Funny, I was sure I felt an earthquake. The whole room shook. Hello, Jack. Oh, Don, what a relief. <laughs> what was you? I let him in, Mr. Benny. Oh, Don, when you came in, the whole house shook. I can't understand why they didn't feel it down at CBS. It's only six miles. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jack. I'm getting awfully tired of all these remarks about my size. But, Don... I'm probably lighter on my feet than you are. Why, last week I went to Arthur Murray's for some dancing lessons, and he was amazed. Really? Yes, he said I danced like a big, fat Nijinsky. <laughs> Don, this... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Look, Don, this I don't understand. Me, you ball out, and yet you yourself make jokes about your size. I know, Jack. You see, when you do it, it's an insult. But when I pull a joke at my own expense, it's different. Shows I'm a good sport and can take it. Like, well, for instance, you'd be the first to admit you're a lousy violinist. 
The second, I'm the first. You keep out of this. Now, what'd you come over for? Jack, I brought the sportsman quartet with me. I saw them, but I didn't want to say hello to them because I'm sick of that hmm. Why don't you just have them go ahead and let me hear their number? Jack, I didn't bring them over to sing to you. Well, that's what you always do. I know, but this is different. You know, Jack, every time you go anywhere, they come over and sing goodbye to you. And when you come back, they welcome you home with a song. But today, they want you to sing to them. Well, why? It's their birthday. Well, I'll be... Wait a minute. Did you say today is their birthday? Uh Uh-huh. All four of them have the same birthday? I'll tell you something that's even more amazing than that. They were all born in the same town. Storm Lake, Iowa. (laughs) No. Yeah, Jack, and in the same hospital. What a coincidence. Only my idiot writers would think of a thing like that. (laughs) Anyway, Don, if you say it's their birthday, I'll sing to them. Hey, fellas, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear sportsman. Happy birthday to you. Now, John, happy birthday to us. I thought you wanted me to happy sing birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to you already. Happy birthday to us. Shaboom. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday from you. Happy birthday from all of you to everyone. What happened? Charlie Bagby, your piano player. Oh, hello, Charlie. I'll tell you what I'm calling you for. I think I better have my piano fixed before the next broadcast. It has 12 broken strings. 12 broken strings on your piano? When did you find that out? Yesterday, during rehearsal. The janitor called it to my attention. (laughs) Charlie, do whatever you want to, will you? Okay, and another thing. You're going to have to do something about Remley. Uh, Frankie Remley? What's wrong now? Well, 
Since he's been leading the orchestra at the Hollywood Roosevelt Synagogue, he's gotten so high-hat you can't do a thing with him. Remley? High-hat? Yeah, now he has to have a glass. He won't even drink out of a bottle anymore. <laughs> no. It's demoralizing. Glasses is for water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, at Charlie, I'll talk to him when he gets to the broadcast. I wish you would. Goodbye. So long, Charlie. Imagine Bagby, of all people, criticizing Remley. That's a case of a pot calling the pot potted. <laughs> Those musicians really... Uh... Hey, boss, the mail just came. Oh, good. Give it to me. There's nothing much, just this letter. Let's see. Oh, it's from the California bank. It's about the mortgage. How long have you had the mortgage on that bank? <laughs> Oh, just a few years. They pay regularly. <laughs> Say, Rochester, I haven't had a thing to eat yet. Fix me a sandwich or something, will you? Yes, sir. Want me to answer the door? No, you go make the sandwich. I'll answer. Well, what a surprise. Hello, Mr. Benny. Mr. Gibson. <laughs> Oh, it's nice seeing you, Mr. Kitzel. Mutual. But I dropped in to ask you a favor. A favor? Yeah. From now on, when you're driving to the radio studio, could you possibly give me a lift? A lift? Certainly. But why? Well, I'm working there as a nutshell. It's only a part-time job, but I got to raise a little money. Oh. I'll need the extra money because around the middle of next month, I'm expecting an addition to my family. Oh, an addition to your family. Isn't that nice? What do you want, Mr. Kitzel? A boy or a girl? Either one would be delightful. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's my mother-in-law who is coming for a visit. <laughs> oh, the way you put it, I thought you were expecting a bundle from heaven. A bundle she is, but from heaven this is doubtful. <laughs> Well, since you had to take another job, I suppose you like it, the studio. Oh, yes. It's very pleasant, especially for me. I love to be around show people. So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actors, musicians, and singers, especially singers. Oh, you like good singing, huh? Definitely. On this subject, I'm a common <laughs> I collect records and everything. Really? Well, tell me, who's your favorite singer? Nat King Cohen. <laughs> no, no, Mr. Kitzel. No, it's not King Cohen. It's King Cole. 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 Cool. He's real gone. <laughs> Yes, I know. Well, Mr. Kitt, from now on, I'll give you a lift whenever I go to the studio. You are lovely gentlemen. Thank you. Goodbye. Mr. Goodbye. Mr. Goodbye, Mr. Kitt. <laughs> Is my sandwich ready, Rochester? In a minute. Was that Dennis Day at the door? No, it was Mr. Kitt, though. Oh, well, remember what you said. When Mr. Day does come, don't let him get you into any conversations. Just make him sing. Don't worry, I'll do it. Oh, Rochester, instead of coffee, I'll have tea today. Yes, sir. Want me to get it? No, that must be Dennis. I'll answer it. Okay, boss. And remember what you... I'll remember. I'll remember. 
Hello, Mr. Benny. Sing your song, Dennis. <laughs> hey, Mr. Benny, do you know that... Dennis, sing your song. I will, but I want to tell you that... Don't talk, just sing. But I thought you'd be interested in... Not the... interested it... in anything, sing. Now, come on over to the piano. Now, sit down at the piano and sing your song. Good. Just sing. But, Mr. Benny, I only wanted to tell you... Don't you... Sing or I'll push your head down again. Okay, I'll sing. finish my song, I think I ought to tell Don't you... Don't tell me a thing. You came over to sing your song, you sang it. Now, I'll walk you to the door and you can go home. But, Mr. Benny... No but. You sang, now go. Here's the door. A fire engine. I wonder why it's stopping here. I try to tell you, your house is on fire. <laughs> 
Well, of all the... I tried to tell him, but all he said was, Sing your song. Sing your song. Don't talk. Just yeah. sing. Not interested. Sing or I'll push your face down again. Nobody ever listens to me. Oh, be quiet. Don't get excited, mister. We got everything under control. You sure, Chief? Yeah, it was just a small rubbish fire. It's all out. No damage at all. Oh, good, good. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. So long. Dennis, I want to tell you something. Yes, sir? I'll admit it was my fault for not letting you talk. Uh-huh. But if you can sit there and calmly sing a song in a house that you think is on fire... Then I know there's something wrong with you, and I'm going to do something about it. Yeah, what are you going to do? Never mind. Just come with me. We're going downtown. Okay. Come on. Come on. Okay, don't push. <laughs> this is the office we want, Dennis. Gee, look what it says on the door. Dr. Heinrich Schultz, psychiatrist. That's right. Well, it's about time. Certainly is. You should have gone to him a long time ago. <laughs> Not for me, it's for you. Now, come on in. Yes, sir, what can I do for you? I'm Jack Benny. I phoned Dr. Schultz and made an appointment for Dennis Day. Oh, yes. Is this Mr. Day? Yes, ma'am. Has he ever been here to see the doctor before? No, ma'am. Well, before you can go in and see the doctor, I'll have to ask you some questions. Your full name? Dennis Day. Your wife's name? I'm not married. Parents? Two. <laughs> I know you have two of them, but what are their names? Mr. and Mrs. Day. <laughs> I know that, too, but I want to know their first names. What do they call each other? I'll tell the doctor, but I won't tell you. <laughs> I'll tell the doctor you're here. Yes, Miss Robert? Dennis Day, your new patient, is here. Well, I sent him right in. You may go in now, Mr. Day. How do you do? I am Dr. Schultz. I'm Jack Benny, and this is the young man I talked to you about, Dennis Day. How do you do? Uh, now, Mr. Day, I think we better get right down to business. Yes, sir. Uh, supposing you tell me all about yourself, starting with your earliest memories. Very, well, my childhood was very interesting. <laughs> childhood was very insecure. You see, I was born in New York, and but when I was five months old, my parents moved to Buffalo. Then six months later, they moved to Chicago. And two months later, they moved to Cleveland. And a half a year later, they moved to Pittsburgh. They moved to Pittsburgh, eh? Yeah, that's where I finally caught up with them. <laughs> well, uh, wait a moment. Uh, Mr. Benny, he must be exaggerating. His parents couldn't have deserted him that often. They couldn't, eh? Dr. Dennis has been left on more doorsteps than the Los Angeles Times. That's very interesting, very interesting. Well, I hope you can help him, Doctor. He's been with me for years now, and his silly behavior has made me gray before my time. Really? How old are you, Mr. Benny? Thirty-nine. Mm. Well, one case at a time. Now then, uh, getting back to your childhood, Mr. Day, did... Uh, oh, excuse me, my nurse is buzzing me. Yes, nurse? Oh, doctor, Mr. Jones is waiting outside to see you. Jones? Jones? 
Well, you remember Doctor, the man who thinks he's a St. Bernard dog. Oh, yes, yes. I'm very busy right now. He'll have to wait quite a while. I hope he won't mind. Oh, he won't. He's got a keg of brandy tied around his neck. <laughs> I'll tell him. Mr. Jones, the doctor's busy now. Please be seated. <laughs> I am going to give you the word association test. Word association? Yeah, that's right. I'll say one word, and you immediately say the first word that comes to your mind. Uh-huh. For instance, rain. Snow. Black. White. Red. Blue. Green. Money. You keep out of this. Now, look, you are wasting time, and after all, you know my fee is $25 an hour. Gosh, that's a lot. I didn't realize it was going to cost you that much, Dennis. Cost me? It was your idea to bring me here. You're going to pay for it. Why should I pay for it? I'm doing it for you. Well, I didn't want to come here. I'm happy being silly. (laughs) Somebody's going to pay for it. I don't work for nothing. Oh, I'm awfully sorry, Doctor, but Mr. Jones won't wait any longer. He's coming in. Look, Doctor, if you think that Mr. I'm... Mr. Jones, going... you go back to the waiting room. <coughs> Mr. Jones, go back, I say. I don't like the way you are behaving. <coughs> Mr. Jones, control yourself. <coughs> now, Mr. Benny, you brought this young man up here. <coughs> I demand... <coughs> so, if you think for one minute that I'm going to pay you for... <laughs> Mr. Jones, stop licking my face! <laughs> Come on, Dennis, let's get out of here. I'll settle for you the way you are. Boss, you better hurry up and get changed. You've got to do a television show tonight. Yeah, say, I better hurry. Shall I fix something to eat for you and Mr. Day? No, we're not hungry. Where were you so long? I took Dennis to a psychiatrist and he's cured. Really? Yeah, from now on, he'll never say anything stupid. Will you, Dennis? Oh, 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 I'll be Oh, quiet! 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 The Jack Benny Show tonight was written by Milt Josephsburg, John Tackerberry, Hal Goldman, Al Gordon, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Mark. The Jack Benny Program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week when I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thank you to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.